Inferno. So hit up the Scenario Radio Show on Facebook and Instagram or at Scenario Radio on Twitter. You officially get the grown-up table. It's where we meet up to speak up and be us. People pull a seat up and put your feet up and get the confirmation that come with the combination of a competent congregation and common sense conversation on black lives, black love, black music and art. Politics that empower the people playing their part. Stimulating your mental, motivating your heart. Showing you where we going by owning just who we are. We are, we are. you want to know. From the WRFN studios, it's the Scenario Radio Show, giving you the best the culture has to offer, and real talk with a playlist, and that's the triple truth, Bruce. It's time for another installment of our Upon Further Review series, and this episode, we celebrate director Spike Lee's classic film about a sweltering summer day in Brooklyn, Do the Right Thing. We've got all of Team Scenario in the building, Lynn Webb and Vince Williams from the Michaud Mission, and Ingrid Brown from the International Black Film Festival. So, let's pull up a seat to the grown-ups table and get ready to talk and do the right thing right here on the Scenario Radio Show. Good 90s, oh yeah. yeah, 80s, oh yeah. Oh yeah, for real, late 80s, late 80s 89. Because that is the year that the film that we will be discussing came out, which is Do the Right Thing, as you may have guessed by now. Uh, once again, we are back in the studio, so come on in, close the door, and pull up a seat to the grown-ups table. You're listening to the Scenario Radio Show. I am your host, Van Everett. Ladies and gentlemen, your man's back in the building, B-Cub. I miss y'all, man. I'm happy to be back. I'm happy. Your man is back in the building. It back in the building. <laughs> For as long as y'all shall have me. <laughs> then we'll see what happens after that. All right, so we're going to uh, be doing Do the Right Thing today. So we're doing what we call, uh, we have a series called Upon Further Review. And if you've been paying attention in the past, we, we take a piece of black culture, uh, usually a film or maybe uh, an album, something like that. And we kind of go back and review it again and kind of talk about it, uh, how it you know impacted us or just whatever it is that we find interesting about that piece of culture and that's what we'll do for the entirety of a show we've done um we did uh ready to die we did uh college dropout from kanye we've done aquemini so this one actually is our first movie that we've done in the series uh spike lee's do the right thing hot summer in brooklyn of 1989 Hot. What, 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 did, uh, what did Samuel say? He said, well, the forecast for today, hot. <laughs> That's yeah. all he said. Yeah. 
It just looked hot. That was like pre. That was like the precursor for hustling flow. You know how hot everybody looked in hustling flow. Uh huh. In do the right thing, everybody looked hot, and that was like way before. You yeah. Know, that was that was like um um groundbreaking hotness. Yeah. There's a good mist. Everyone has a good mist going on for the entirety of yeah. the whole thing. I don't yeah. think there's in no one who's no. Even when they were uh, even even when they were with the uh, had the uh, fire hydrant open or whatever, everybody still looked hot. <laughs> yeah. Even with water <laughs> dripping, <laughs> everybody still looked hot. Oh man! So I had I, I, really, I was I'm glad that we're doing this because uh, it's the 30th anniversary of this particular movie. Uh, I'm a big fan of the movie, big fan of Spike Lee. Yeah, and it also gave me a chance to go and watch the movie again. Yeah, because I've seen this movie. I've seen the movie. Uh, I mean, tons, a thousand times. Uh-huh. But it's funny how many times I haven't watched it all the way through. It's been a while since I've just sat and watched it. Yeah. all the way through. I always catch it or I watch a little bit of it. It's just one of those types of movies, man. Uh-huh. So sitting back and watching it all the way through again, it just kind of, it just kind of. I mean, it, it, it like it's rehit. It was just, yeah, it was just good all over again. So I'm looking forward to that because I think it's a, it's a brilliant movie and there's a lot of really good things. Going going on in it but it also has a lot of themes so we did a lot of man on the street stuff as well so we'll be talking about that a little bit later too um let me ask my team on the other side of the glass uh the engineer dana and our producer zai welcome back zai thank you uh zai <laughs> zai welcome back so, yes. Pablo. what about you have you is this a movie you've watched lately oh my god um yes i re-watched it but what a lot of people don't know is i'm a huge spike lee fan on every dvd except for Crooklyn? I, I don't have my hands on Crooklyn yet. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Huge Spike Lee fan. Yes. Um, I just rewatched as well. All right. So th- does it still work for you? I mean, yes, like, absolutely. Yeah. Even though people judge me. Hmm. Who is <laughs> judging you? They people, shouldn't. Other people my age, they don't oh. understand my love for Spike Lee. Well, let me tell you what's crazy. I don't know if I've mentioned this on there before, but my 17 year old, this is his favorite movie. Oh, really? well, so it, yeah, but that's, yeah. I, I got a feeling I know where this is going. But no, 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 no. It has nothing to do. It, it has nothing. Like, he oh, legit, Robbie and he Chris. likes, yeah, he likes Spike Lee. Like, he likes Spike Lee movies. Okay, but So it's great. funny that you say uh, people your age. And that's the truth. Yeah. Because, yeah. uh, Dana, speaking of people, mm-hmm. people's your age. We're going to start off like this? I, I'm simply asking a question. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Have you had a chance to rewatch uh, Do the Right Thing? No. No. Have, have you ever watched Do the Right Thing? Because I, I forgot have you. I've watched it, I believe, maybe once all the way through and in, in clips throughout the years. Okay, so I, I take it it's not something that particularly resonates with you. Like if you said a scene, I could remember it. Uh huh. But if you said a line, I wouldn't know what you're talking about. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> that, that, that makes sense. Like, yeah, you know, you know, there was like. Hey, homeboy. I'd be like, <laughs> well, I mean, that's almost a scene right there. Hey, homeboy. Yeah, almost. Almost. It's a, I don't know if I remember it line for line because no. of the way that it's written. And we're going to talk, that's something I want to kind of talk about is that, like, because Spike Lee has a thing about the way he, yeah. he does dialogue and stuff. Yeah, the dialogue is crazy. And it's also, I'm going to tell you what it is, too. It's, I remember saying a lot of that stuff, like, it was just part of, like, back then, and I didn't know what it was about. Mm-hmm. Um, 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 uh, five D batteries or the D batteries. Like I yeah. had cousins oh. who used to. That used to be something they would say. Yeah. Or D D. Yeah. Like that was their thing. And so being younger, I didn't get it. But then once I started the watching movie. the movies again, I was that like, radio. oh, it just became like part of their vernacular. Like kind of uh-huh. stuff they threw around. Man, it was it was it was cool. So just watching all over again, I remember all that stuff again. Yeah. Yeah. It it uh it brought back quite a few memories to me. And I also think. 
Um, and before we get ready to get into our uh, man on the street stuff that I'm going to set up here in a moment, one of the things that it never occurred to me until I just recently rewatched it. I don't know how I missed this is that uh, it takes place on a Saturday. Mm. I didn't know that. I didn't even realize yeah. the day. Yeah, it takes place. It, uh, Samuel Jackson's character, uh, Senior Love Daddy, Love Daddy, the DJ. Yes. He mentions it that it takes place on a Saturday. Wow. Uh, so, and that that something, and the reason that stuck out was because oh, some of these people probably had jobs. Yeah, but yeah, that's just, something you don't even think yeah. about. And you know what? Also, it just makes it seem like that's why there was so much activity. It, uh-huh. And then I always thought it was just like a day in the summer. Uh-huh. That's why you had kids out running around, no school. But yeah, but a lot of Saturday, adults that, too. that adds to it. Yeah. yeah. That adds a whole new whole new flavor to it all right so what we're going to do is we're going to listen to a little bit uh that we've heard from some of our listeners when we went out and talked to them got some man on the street stuff when we come back we're going to talk a bit about the film and uh see see what everybody's thoughts are all right uh here we go I was 16 years old when I first saw that movie and I was like what a cool movie I loved everything about it I was deep into hip hop and break dancing and the music and all of that was like oh my goodness I watched this as a child like my first viewing I see what late 80s I was like kindergarten first grade second grade so me watching this was a bit different like as it's gone as I've grown up over the years so that first viewing to see like I don't get all of this the, like the, the, the context and I don't get everything like that so it's like a lot of the stuff was lost on me. Then to go back when I was like 13, 14 to watch it again, I'm like, whoa, I missed some things. Of course, it can be uh, interpreted in lots of ways, but I think overall it was about brotherhood and uh, and loyalty. The theme that stands out now is obviously gentrification and the ideas associated with culture. For me, it's still going on to this day because we always still diversifying with different cultures. People learning from us, us learning from them. We go to different places to get food and, you know, it's always learning from everybody. So that's one of the things that I remember of it, the, 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 the culture of it. And so the idea of America in this, in the context of, of uh, do the right thing, you know, things are supposed to be harmonious, right? We're supposed to, our cultures are supposed to be able to understand we're here sharing this experience. But this is actually the story of time when we talk about gentrification. I mean, you talk about colonialism, you can go back time after time, and it's people versus people. And I think the thing is, is what's cool about Spike Lee's work is the fact that as you grow older and get a bigger context, his work seems like it gets a bigger context. All right, that's some of our listeners kind of sharing their ideas about what the themes of uh, Do the Right Thing were um and we are now joined in the studio with by the co-hostess with the co-mostess hey 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 KB. everybody it's my favorite two hours of the week still uh, and always not quite two hours Ooh, but. Uh, yeah, yeah, since, <laughs> since you went there and also we just got to apologize kb's running a little behind she was planning wow. on we were planning on live streaming the very opening because she was going to do the rosie perez dance from the very beginning well, that is my favorite of, character and she was she was going to do the you know we were going yeah she was going to do the dance and everything but it didn't work out she had with the boxing injury. gloves and everything yeah little injury she yeah we had the whole thing set hard. up but you know it's all good she was working pelvic thrust can be dangerous if you don't do them correctly <laughs> and that's what's so important about her being my favorite character i think it was the first time we saw a woman actually dancing doing the pelvic thrust doing their her solo dance by herself and uh-huh. i think that was really iconic for her to then go on to do dancing for uh 
uh, in Living Color uh-huh. and other yeah. dancing. Uh, she did a lot of choreography. She did Tons a lot of choreography. Of choreography. And, and it was crazy. It was like, I didn't realize how powerful like that was. Because, I mean, you just don't You don't see a woman being young, thrusting. And, yeah, and you're just sitting there and it's like, okay, it's kind of boring when you're young. But then as you get older, which one of, one of the men on the street people say, you uh-huh. realize the artistic value yes. in that. Like, uh-huh. for her, because she's doing that, listening to the music, but we're seeing the finished product. So it's no telling how it looked just being in whatever little studio they were. And it's like, okay, the music. Now go. Now you go. Yeah. And she put all that emotion. All that power, You know, you just energy. see energy. That's the perfect word. Yeah. And, it, and it just set the tone for, so, the, uh, for the movie. Yep. Fun, fun fact, uh, this was her first movie. And and by ah, first movie, I don't just that. mean first, like, act. I mean, this is period acting anything period. Anything she ever she did. She had never acted in anything yeah, before. Spike I Lee actually that. met her in a club. Yep. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. And was like, yeah, I'm going to put you in a movie. He said he wrote the, like, the, once he started talking to her, uh, uh-huh. some she said they, uh, they went out to lunch or something. Uh-huh. And just in the conversation, he just picked up how she was speaking and things she was saying, and he wrote it around yeah. her. Yeah. Uh-huh. So this is her very first acting role, and that's and it says something because she apparently had something to give mm-hmm. in the long run because she ended up she was nominated for an Oscar back in the nineties. Mm. So yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah. All right. So favorite character is a good place to start. Let, let's kind of go there, and we'll uh, we'll we'll go from there. Now, you say that Tina Rosie Perez's character just is your because of character. her dancing was so iconic, and I think she was one of the first baby mamas complaining on the movie too. <laughs> like Mookie, you'll never come home. You'll never come see us. And so you can see that whole dynamic unfold. She was staying at home with her mom. She had her baby. It was hot. Yeah. I think that's another theme of the movie that it was a hot, hot day. And yeah. There's any. <laughs> there's no telling what can happen when it's hot outside with black folks i think that's another thing that that was a theme of the movie but yeah i I loved uh rosie perez's character in the movie even though it wasn't as long as fulfilled i I liked a lot of the characters i actually there's a lot of colorful characters in that movie yeah i like the mayor yeah um so what about you what's one of your favorite characters that man you know what i can't it's like each of them have a different thing. Let me tell you what's okay. Let me tell you who was kind of underrated. Who I kind of like. I like the the Sal and his sons. Those those yeah. scenes. The scenes with Sal and the sons. I mean, they were kind of. Don't get me wrong. They weren't overlooked, but I think they were just because you pick up on you know the people that look like you. You pick up on the black folks. Yeah. But they're. I mean, just it, it was crazy. And and no matter how bigoted you know they were, that very end scene when the mayor is putting them like get on out the way. Mm-hmm. I still felt so. Sorry for Sal. Like it's, yeah, it's I, I felt bad too. and just the emotion. So I don't know if it's one character, but that those three together. Yeah. For some reason they just I mean, I just thought they were cool. I thought they were good. I guess it's kinda outside of the box, but uh yeah. Well, well and smiley. It's smiley inter- cut up. Interestingly enough, uh Pino, uh yeah, yeah. played by John Turturro, yeah. Sal's oldest son. Mm-hmm. That was my that's my most that's the character I find most interesting. Right. It, uh, he was yeah. mean, he was a bully. He wa- he was. He was mean and he was a bully. Um but he I was deeply like frustrated with mm-hmm. the idea of, of having to work around, around all of these people. black mm-hmm. people. And, and you know what it was mm-hmm. also the scene I think that shows that is the scene where he's in there with his little brother mm-hmm. and he's not fighting his brother. It's just more like a frustrated tussle. like mm-hmm. a tussle. Like you know you just want uh, uh, like you can Listen see to me, all why that. You so much, why are you friends with Mookie man? Why, why are you so cool with him? It was him? crazy. It was mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah. And, he is good. And, so there's all that there's tension in every you know scene but that it's, it's something about the idea of this guy and, and him being there and him being so immersed he, he's a fixture in this culture that he that he does love but not in a not in a 
yeah. a healthy way. Yep. Because he loves black culture. Like when him, Prince, and him I mean, yeah, uh, the whole uh, conversation between him and Jackie Robinson. Hookie. Yeah, he loves all of the yeah. all of they're the different. Uh, they're black not culture. the same. They're they not, don't, they don't count. And, and so he's so so for me, he's so American. Yeah, he's yep. so American yep. that watching him is like if only more white people could watch him. And, and the only thing is, I wish that they never would have let him use racial slurs. Mm. So that, yeah. that way, white people would connect with him. Because as soon as you use racial slur, oh, white people say, "Well, no, that's not me. That's not me. I don't do that. I don't do that. I don't." Yeah, that's very. That's a good point. That's a uh-huh. good point. Um, Zai, what about Sir? you? Um, my favorite character would have to be Senor Love Daddy. Uh, <laughs> played by Samuel L. Jackson. Yes, Samuel L. Jackson. I love him anyway, but I like his character because he was like the all-seeing eye in the movie. He could see uh-huh. everything from that window up there, like everything in the neighborhood, and he was like narrating everything uh-huh. um, the whole time. So he would have to be my favorite. And then not to mention that um, that, that long, long long list of names that he did. Do y'all remember the artist that he named? Oh yeah, the uh, mm-hmm. the, the roll call. Mm-hmm. We're actually yes. going to play the roll call in the top of the uh, next hour. Oh, oh yeah. Nice. Okay, uh-huh. so yeah, that <laughs> okay. was one of my favorite. <laughs> he was with Fangirl. That was oh, one yeah. of my favorite parts. Um, but piggybacking off of B-Cove, Sal's character did have some really important lines, mm-hmm. I think, uh-huh. throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. Like one of the moments that sparked the whole movie like not having people black people on the wall mm-hmm. when Sal said if you want to see black people on the wall get your own place uh-huh. mm-hmm. that was very that was a um, a light bulb moment for for me here's what's interesting is that at my age now when I saw this movie I was a teenager um, so the first time I saw it for whatever reason I really related to bugging out Giancarlo mm-hmm, Esposito's yeah. yeah he was just frustrated <laughs> man. Was angry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. see what, like, I, yeah why doesn't he have any brothers on the wall yeah yeah but now, now you're like, as on, a bro. grown man, just, just I'm like, look, bro, up, get bro. out of there. Then. Yeah. If you don't like exactly. it, get out. Go somewhere else. You bugging out. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing yeah. how that changes. But I have a lot more sympathy for Sal mm-hmm. as I've gotten older. The, it's the situation that's been created mm-hmm. that makes it problematic. Mm-hmm. So uh, even though I'm not trying to paint Sal to be an angel, mm-hmm. but when you get into uh, uh, when you, we heard some of the people talking earlier and they were talking about the themes of the movie and somebody mentioned gentrification. Mm-hmm. That someone like Sal who has probably well Sal's been in that neighborhood apparently forever. Sal's son said, "Hey dad, why come we can't move somewhere else?" Uh-huh. And he said, "Because all there's too many pizza parlors in everywhere else and yeah. this is all that I know." He was like, "I just hate living here and working with these in words and yeah. he really doesn't want to be there and Sal is like no we ain't going anywhere I yeah. built this from the ground up yeah. my- and he's been yeah mm-hmm. and he's been there all that time and he so he has a connection to mm-hmm. that community mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. the but there's that distance mm-hmm. that's created when you gentrify a community and and you get to set the rules in a community in which you don't live mm-hmm. and, and so it creates this problem that on some level he is a product of more than he is the the cause of mm-hmm. yeah yeah, yeah no. so so for that I I, I kind of sympathize with him and his situation but it doesn't make me like gentrification anymore no yeah you know yeah, any, yeah I don't I don't it's get like he tries that. to do right you know give uh-huh. him a dollar to clean up out there and you know yeah. letting him in when when the spot is closed and you know he means well he thinks he's meaning well he, he thinks, thinks so. he's doing right yeah he's like trying said, he's, he's actually trying, trying to yep. do right it, yep. him being there the fact that he's able that was able to start that business the fact that people like with gentrification a lot there are a lot of people the fact that redlining and the, the wealth mm-hmm. gap and all that thing worked in the favor of a lot of those white people who don't even know what any of this 
stuff is, mm-hmm. it's not their fault that they don't know. They don't know, yeah. It's still incumbent on them that when they come into that community, though, to try to they treat learn. those people, you know, yeah, they learn that community, try to treat those people well. And, and again, Sal does try to treat people well, but I think he's got his own issues as well. But there's no, there are no angels in the movie, in the movie no. at all. No. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that makes it all so interesting because everybody's really, really flawed. Except Mother Sister. Mother Sister wasn't. Nah, Mother Sister didn't have a well, single thing wrong with Yeah, she no. was. Well, she, she, she gave the mayor. She, she was tenderheaded. That's time. what it was. Mother Sister was tenderheaded. That's what her problem was. I don't think that was her only flaw. You saw how she treated the she mayor. She gave the mayor a that's hard true. time. That's true. Yeah. That's she true. treated she the mayor. She was yeah. a little judgy on the mayor. Yeah, she was hard on him right Jade out Jade might have been perfect. Which was ironic because they are actually a couple. Yeah. In real life. In real life. The most, the biggest. Davis loving, and Ruby D. Loving yeah. couple that you know, but they gave each other a hard time. Well, mother sister gave him a hard time. He never was uh, mean to mother sister. No, he Still even tried. said he would try to be kind to her, and, and sooner or later she'd come around. Yep. And apparently she came all the way around. All, all the way around. Way around. <laughs> Let her hair down some more. <laughs> oh, man. I think um, Jade might have been a perfect character, though. Oh, uh, Spike Lee's sister in the movie. Yeah. And they were like, Jade. Yeah. She was. You know what? I think she was. I think she was. The least Everything flawed Everything that's pair. right in the world. And uh, I hate to, I really hate to describe the young lady like this. Like, I don't even know her name, but. I know who you You know what I'm talking about? The little light-skinned girl. I don't yeah. know what, what her what name was. What was her name? I don't know. The whole movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I feel know. terrible. Yeah, her you name. Gotta find, I hate what to, was her I name in the movie? Little light-skinned girl. Ella? Her name was Ella. Ella. Yeah, that whole crew, I didn't know yeah. none of their names. Martin Lawrence. But she which, was like, stop fighting. Yeah, so Martin Lawrence, uh, that young lady you just named it, the light skinned Asian looking young lady. <laughs> there are two other brothers, and they're all uh-huh. kind of like a crew that you see always together, together. throughout the movie. Yep. And they don't, um, I, I assume they have names, but uh, I don't know what their names are. Yeah. I only know Ahmad, the one she was calling at the beginning. Oh, his <laughs> yeah. name was Ahmad. Yeah, Ahmad yep. I forgot about that. All right, so as you see, we, we we're kind of been recounting how all these characters are coming into play and, and what what you know their significance was. And, and again, the movie's littered with a lot of really good characters. Man, tons of them. Yeah. Um, I guess I'll ask Dana, even though she may not remember since she's never really watched the movie. <laughs> Dana, I'm not going to judge you for this. I understand. You're young. There's other things we can judge you for. Hey, what yeah. was the question? What what uh? <laughs> <laughs> Because I'm just going to call him. You know I ain't seen that movie in a minute. I was going to ask, did you have a character that particularly stood out to you that you liked? Character? No. Okay. I don't have a favorite character. Okay. But the scene that I remember fresh off the top is when the white dude stepped on his shoes. Oh, yeah. man. Uh-huh. It was like. <laughs> that was so layered. That is yeah. still like, to uh-huh. this day, if someone step on a black man's shoe, like, it's a problem. Yeah, that was like at the beginnings of shoe culture. Yeah, yeah. and that's yeah. what I was about to that say. It, it, it shows Spike Lee's connection to hip hop and mm-hmm. you know streetwear because he wears shoes like that all the time. Like he loved mm-hmm. Jordan. Well, you know he he uh, is the one that directed all of Michael Jordan's was, first. I was going to say not even I, and I it just he's he's that. responsible for making Michael Jordan an icon. That. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because they didn't know what to do with Michael Jordan. Nike didn't know what to do with him nope. as far as like putting him in a commercial. Mm-hmm. But they knew that everybody was like, this dude can play, mm-hmm. and they have to figure out something to sell these shoes. So they get Spike Lee. Spike Lee is creates his character. Well, he uses the Mars Blackman yeah, character yeah. from She's Got a Habit, and then builds this whole thing around Michael Jordan. And is it the shoes? Shoe culture is born. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. Where are you from? Brooklyn. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's, it's, it was interesting. Like you said, it's layered because they had the white yeah. dude who stepped on the shoes have a Larry Bird, Bird jersey, jersey on. Oh. So they wanted to make sure that that, that oh. extra little oomph was oh, on man. there. Yeah, they let you know. <laughs> uh, but, but 
yeah, that's a there are a lot of other things that go in the movie, and when we uh, we're going to talk about the themes a little bit later. Um, and I'll tell you one of the things we're going to be looking at in the next hour that's really interesting. Um, when I started talking to people about this movie, mm-hmm. what I found was most people didn't really talk about the movie. Once I would ask them a question, they may talk for a minute about the movie, but they really got into issues. Mm-hmm. It made them start thinking about different issues. Mm-hmm. And so what happened was I realized how relevant the movie is right Still, now. Very. Yep. I mean, it is. You and so it. that's going to come up in the second hour. Where we're really going to get dig into that discussion and talk about what it means that this movie is so relevant now. And will it still be relevant later? Um, there's some interesting stuff there. But that's a, that's for a little later. When we come back, we're going to get the, the brothers from Michelle Mission to join us in the conversation. So you all stay tuned. We got a whole lot more with our Do the Right Thing episode of the Scenario Radio Show. Peace. Scenario Radio Show and our 30th anniversary review of Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing. The Brooklyn neighborhood depicted in Spike Lee's classic film is full of colorful and interesting characters. So, we decided to ask you, the listeners, who are some of your favorites? Well, mine was Radio Raheem. You know, he he really stood out to me. Radio Raheem. I don't know why. I think, and not for any specific, like, reason. Like, I just love that. I I did love he had a big-ass boombox. And the the four-finger rings were lit. I just love Spike Lee, so I gotta say Mookie, because I just love him. But something about Spike Lee's walk and the way he was walking to different places really resonated with me. I don't even know why. Because his main thing was how his life went through working for somebody, trying to start his own, want to be his own man, and trying to come up and like take care of his family and his wife and well, his girlfriend and his kids and stuff like that. So, I mean, that's where I can relate to that. Um, I love Mookie. I love his energy, his um, his pride, his uh, courage. I love his hustle. Love that character. Radio Raheem's uh, rings. You know what I'm saying? With the love and the hate, and love triumphs. You know what I'm saying? I guess the character who carried that boombox and wound up getting killed by the cops. Um, it, of course, it resonates. But it, I remember that one because um, having boys. I have three sons and. Looking at that incident, I mean, it's just upsetting, but yeah. I actually don't remember character name, but I know it was the son of the dude, uh, Sal's son, the lead son, who was the most agitated. I feel like there's this uh, complacency or this entitlement um, that comes from people because they don't have to do a certain amount of work to understand their community or who's around them. And I, I remember watching that movie, seeing him make the wrong choices, even though you saw his character not seemingly want to make those choices. It just seemed innate for him to be able to be pissed because this was his family's spot. You know what I mean? This dude could have been an ally. He had like the he was the, the generation that should have been able to bridge it. Even though his dad was more of a bridge than he was. You know what I'm saying? I felt like I don't know, he has a lasting uh, impression in my mind just for the way it turned out. 
All right, we are back with the Scenario Radio Show talking uh, Do the Right Thing with our Upon Further Review series. And uh, on the line we have with us the hosts of the Michelle Mission, uh, Vince Williams and Lynn Webb. Two men, one podcast, every black film ever made. I don't know if any of y'all have had a chance to ever uh, listen to the Michelle Mission, but I'm a big fan of it and I listen to it regularly. Uh, really good stuff. They cover mm. all types of films. You'll, some you'll, and you'll always will learn some interesting facts about those films as well. And it's always good to hear people talk about our stuff uh, in a way that's kind of expansive. From, from our so, uh, on the line, we have Lynn Webb, uh, Vincent, Vince Williams. How y'all doing, man? Oh, fun. How are you? Doing well. <laughs> doing welcome, well, man. Welcome. <laughs> welcome to the Scenario yeah, Radio thanks Show. Thanks for having us. Yeah, uh, I think, Lynn, Lynn, you've actually been on with us before. I don't know if you recall. We, uh, But it was, uh, we were doing a show called Revenge of the Blurds. <laughs> I do remember myself and Kennedy from Black Tribbles. And it's yes, sir. Great to be returning. Great to be returning to the Scenario uh, Radio Show. Man, we're glad to have y'all back. Um, okay, so we've been uh, just chatting it up a little bit about uh do the right thing before you guys come on we were talking about characters and just how it's so full of colorful characters and, and interesting characters and even though you think when you have a movie with that many characters that of course you can't really do a lot with the narrative as far as of each of those individuals but they there's something interesting about so many of them that shines through that we kind of got into a discussion asking who's the everyone's favorite or most interesting character the character that piqued their interest I want to ask each of you the same thing. Okay. You, you want me to go first one? Uh, sure. I, sure, because I can answer in just one word. <laughs> Mookie! <laughs> so was it Smiley or Mookie? <laughs> you know what? Since you said Mookie, I'll go the exact opposite. I'm a big fan of Sal's character. Ah. Uh, yeah. So, so let me ask. Fan of Sal's character. What is it about Sal that that makes you such a fan of him? I think the great thing about Sal is is indicative of of one of the great things about the the movie, where throughout the film, Spike Lee is is obviously discussing race and and discussing racism, and throughout the film, we're led to believe that that. Uh, Pino is the one uh-huh. that he's the most racist. He's the loudest. He's the one that that you that you know. Um, Mookie repeats your you, you know whenever I talk to you, and I don't know like it's inward this or inward that. Uh-huh. And if someone tells you the plot of the film, you think that Pino is going to be the one. Uh huh. And you're led to believe that Sal is 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 this, this wonderful father and part of the community. And then at the very end, Sal is the catalyst. Yeah. So that you really do get this full picture of how race works, how racism works, how all of it works, and oftentimes it it has this this really friendly, warm face. Yeah. That and America really just America is the friendly warm face of racism. So yeah. <laughs> but go ahead. Exactly. Ooh, there's a bumper sticker. <laughs> I'm a sow guy. I'm a sow guy. Yeah. I'm a sow guy. Yeah, I was telling I, them I, I 
Go ahead. I was just going to say, I rep for Smiley um, for two reasons. One, um, it was funny. Y'all almost stole my thunder, but y'all were off air because we were listening while we were waiting to come on. Uh-huh. Because uh, I, I rep for Smiley for uh, much the same reason that it's few and far between do you get depictions of mentally disabled people uh. in a featured film that actually uh, are still um, represented to the height of their intelligence. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it's through his disability that you have to see it, but this is a, a man that is still um, enlightened and trying to spread that enlightenment throughout that na- throughout the neighborhood. And to a degree, everyone there is still respectful of him. He's not he's never clowned for his um or strongly belittled in the film. Uh and then the other reason why I, I wrestle that is just because of the actor, Roger Gouverneur Smith, who is this um this man with leading man features uh-huh. but is decidedly um, very strategic about the roles that he he's chosen so much so that he like disappears into a role. Sometimes you don't even realize it's him that you know will be playing you know smiling in this film and then he's totally different in in any other film that you, you see him in or, or or even in Malcolm X he's a, a totally different character. So yeah. I respect for it for him the actor as well. Yeah, I think the sign of a, an actor of that caliber, a good, I guess people call them character actors, I guess. It's like all actors are supposed to be playing characters. characters so, did, but, yeah. but, but His all, range yeah, is all, so yeah, all great character actors, it's something about them to make you say at some point, oh, that was him. Mm-hmm. You, you look, you're like, oh, he was right, in that. Right, and you're like, he's in right. way more films than you even yeah. realize most of the time. Yeah. So, yeah, I think the thing that was interesting about Smiley is that like you said, he, he obviously he had a level of wisdom that a lot of times he couldn't properly articulate, and of course everybody was a lot more impatient with him, so mm-hmm. they wouldn't let him articulate right. it. But it's like had people been willing to actually listen to what it was he was trying to say, because he was the only person pushing him back against the theme of you know of all that tension going on throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. If people had been willing to listen to him, they might have seen things different. Well, you know, New Yorkers are impatient, so that's the worst <laughs> thing to be is a person. Living in New York yeah. with a stutter, it'd be like, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh, forget about it. Shut up. Get out of here. Look at this guy with a stutter. <laughs> yeah, he was in the wrong place for a stutter. Yeah. <laughs> no doubt. Um, all right, so. And it was so hot. Yeah, it was right. hot. Yes, yes, very much so. It was hot. Um, so, all right, the first time, the first time that either of you saw the movie, because I, I was telling them, I, I'm of the age that I was a teenager the first time I saw it. So I'm watching it then and right. bugging out is, you know, to me, bugging out is completely justified in all of his, <laughs> his actions. Right. Uh, but, of course, I see it, you know, as I the older I get, the the less patience I have for him. Or for that matter, Mookie, who I was like, you know, you need me kind of taking care of the kid, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, but so for you, right. how, how is your perception of the film evolved, either one of you, uh, since when you first saw it? I think I, I think my perception really goes back and forth. Like like I think the 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 real the real sign of it being a masterpiece 
is that when you say who did the right thing, mm-hmm. there's no easy answer. Yeah. So that I really do go. I mean, you know, obviously you don't. You didn't want Radio Raheem to die. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But right. then you think, what kind of decisions could have been made differently leading up to that? That maybe wouldn't have ended up with his death. And there, there are really no easy answers. So, so I, I, I think my initial reaction, you know, like you said, I was very young the first time I thought, and the first thing I thought was uh, immediately they just should have put some black faces up on the wall, yeah. and the, uh-huh. the problem would have been solved. Yeah. But I think just getting older, and, and like you mentioned, there's so much in there that undermines bugging out as a legitimate voice of resistance yeah. just in the film itself that you realize that if they had said okay we're going to put some black faces on the wall there's a good chance there would have been something else with bugging out yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> like oh you know you, you know you're going to have to start serving uh, black eyed peas in here you know just yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah he didn't get and, the name bugging um, out for nothing <laughs> exactly so I think just the older I get the more I appreciate how complicated these types of problems are. Yeah. And I think that's a testament to the film that the older you get, the, the you, you can you can see the film in different ways. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, that's true. But the thing that I come away with is because when I saw it, you know, I wasn't a teenager. I was, I was a young adult. I'm not gonna. Uh, okay. When I said the conversations that I was was getting into with people um, at the places where I worked at the time was totally different um, because there were people. I worked at an insurance company. Hmm. Which, as you can imagine, back in 1989, it was predominantly, you know, uh, a white space in which I was working. Yeah. But, you know, to their credit, they were going to see the movie, but they were receiving the movie in a totally different way. You know, um, anyone can see the heartbreak of Radio Raheem's death and and the mark that that leaves on you. But like to what Vince said, everybody has a different view on who did the right thing at the end of the film. And those conversations were very enlightening to me because at that point I was probably honestly just getting uh, just waking up to what was going on around me. I think I was um, not blissfully unaware, but I don't think I really caught the nuance of what was happening happening in the culture around me. It was just starting to really percolate in my in my uh, in my head. And this movie was a big eye opener mm. for me and the conversations that came from it mm. um, really helped shape the way that I you know not only communicated with the world around me, but the way that I wanted to be a part of the world around me. You know, I, I'm not, 
this movie woke me. It got me woke. Yeah. And, and that's why it's still one of my favorite movies of all time. You know what else was? It's, it's once I started watching it because when I when it first came out, I was young. But once I got a little older, it tripped me out to realize that just growing up and being in the South, you just assume that that type of thinking, that type of racism. You know, I just know uh-huh. it's just so ingrained here. It's part of here. Yeah. Then to see it up, you know, right. up in New York, it kind of opened my eyes up to be like, you know what? Everybody's messed up. Everybody doesn't like everybody everywhere. Uh-huh. It just seems it's just a different way right, about right. it. I always, I've always noticed. Exactly. To me, the difference, the difference between Southern racism mm-hmm. and Northern racism, mm-hmm. being somebody who grew up in the rural South myself, yeah. is that Southern racism is uh, implied. You know, it's there you know it's, already. Yeah, it's yeah. like it's it's in the stitching. Yeah, so that's what it is. It's, yeah, it's, you know, yeah. you don't it's even have to ask. So whereas up north is like, just in case you thought I wasn't racist, yeah. let, let me, me tell drop you. This N-word. Let me, let me show drop you. this N word a few yeah. times. Yeah. Let me tell you what it is I yeah. think of you yeah. because I don't want anything. Thing to be mistaken That's here. Very good point. So nobody, so everybody can be. So no matter how polite a person sounds in the South, yeah, they, they can. Know. They know they can be polite because they're like, hey, we both know what'll happen when the sun is. goes down mm-hmm. if you don't watch it. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's always been the biggest thing. But yeah, that, yeah. but I will say this, and this is something that stuck out to me when I was watching the movie uh, just this past week. Um, that that level of tension that's there, like in the summer, we're all accustomed to the idea that growing up, if you're in certain places, that it gets hot. There's tension in the air, but that kind of level of tension and the exchanges, everybody is tense with one another in this film. Mm-hmm. Like everybody, like we were talking about uh, Pino and his brother, they were tense with one another. Um, Mookie and his sister, they're tense with one another. So it it, it carries on every single level. Even oh, even tender headed sister, uh, mother sister, mother sister. Mother sister. <laughs> when she's yeah. getting, you know, yeah. so. And it's like, yeah, all of that's there. And it's something about how they're able to tell this story and the story is moving along. And yet they're still piling that tension on the entirety of the movie on the the viewer Mm. in a way where you're aware of it. But you don't you you just know something's going to pop when it does. It's just like, oh, Oh, yeah, it doesn't. And it doesn't wear you out because no. you would think a movie of that much yeah. anger start getting heavy and stuff would just like, yeah, but you're still in you're still intrigued yeah. the entirety of it until it gets to this point where it pops. Mm-hmm. So I always thought that well, was that's just the beauty of the, that's the beauty of the film because as, as much happens in that film, it is very much a moment in time. It really mm-hmm. is just a this movie easily could be called Once Upon a Time in New York because it really is just one day in New York and that's 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 how that stuff happens. You know, how many days if you had you wake up and it, the sun is shining, you wake up, you, you're, you're ready to go, you've got your day planned, and then just slowly and surely as as the minutes go by, the day just takes on a totally different vibe, totally yeah. different shape. And by the time you get to bed, you're like, you just happy you survived. You're like, oh, thank God for my pillow. Boom. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. It, it, does, it does have that, that type of energy going on in it. Um, again, really brilliant film. Okay, so we uh, one of the things, and 
and I don't know. I don't know if I even can imagine what the answer to this would be. But I, but, but again, you guys, I, I always listen to you, and you have a lot of really interesting things to say. So I figured this is something I wanted to ask you. And it's this is something that come up for me very recently when I was watching um, She's Got to Have It, the series. Mm-hmm. Was the first time that I okay. realized that Spike Lee, a lot of times when he's writing characters, he's not really writing people mm-hmm. as much as he's writing an idea wrapped in human a flesh, theme. so to speak, mm-hmm. a theme right. that's kind of mm-hmm. speaking out. Right. Or whatnot, right. and because I, I noticed it then, because it you, it wears thin in a series. It's like, yeah. okay, this, uh, this, is, this yeah. person needs to turn into a person at some point. Yeah. I can't yeah. keep watching this for you know thirteen episodes, but it worked so great in these movies. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so the dialogue, you would think some of the way that he, he does, they do dialogue would really have kind of been a turnoff, but it really works. What is it about Spike Lee's dialogue? And anybody feels, feel, you know, feels they want to try to take a shot at What is it about his dialogue that seems to resonate so well in these types of movies, especially in Do the Right Thing? Where you've got these characters who are just pretty much just spouting off that he, you know, Mookie walks by a character, mm-hmm. whether it be Radio Raheem, the mayor, whoever it is, and they just start spouting off these things, and you never at one a, a moment feel like rolling your eyes at it. Like, it uh, yeah, it, it works. Yeah, yeah. Like you just assume that's the way they talk to each other. Yeah, like it doesn't feel like it's forces. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You got my back. Your back is got. Yeah. Like you just. It doesn't sound cheesy. It's like oh, that's pretty cool. I want to. I start think it's about also it. the characters are expressing what we feel, especially the three guys on the corner. Uh huh. Uh, Coconut and Sweet Willie and El, whatever. <laughs> yeah. So wholesome. Like, right. Sweet Willie. Mr. Sweet Willie. <laughs> like, they expressed all of our feelings, all of our thoughts, yeah. and those three characters were all of our thoughts. I could see each and every one of their mm-hmm. points of views. That's why I think it doesn't bother us, because it's like, oh yeah, I felt this way at one point in time, and I felt that way too. Huh. I think I, it's I relatable. We've, see, we've all seen the three guys sitting outside, just chopping it up. We've all walked past somebody, said our greetings, and I said Salutations and just kept it moving. I think it's just his dialogue is really relatable to what, to kind of like to what Zaya was saying. Uh, it just makes sense for us, and we don't even question it. Hmm. And it almost kind of gives it almost to me like a, a vibe of with just showing Spike's influence over hip hop. Like it was kind of even though there weren't lyrics, it was mm-hmm. just a different vernacular. Sometimes that like, it felt lyrical. That our our mm-hmm. thing, we get this. You yeah. know, it was like you know, just kind of it, it just felt like his own little subculture thing. It's like even though I'm sure white people saw the movie and they were like, okay, that was pretty neat. And it's like, we like oh. yeah, we know because that. everybody everybody knows some dude who kind of you know it's just that slick talk. You may say a little rhyme or something. You know, it's just it's yeah. just it resonates because it's somebody you kind of know. We can know. We know yeah, that's we our can thing. Relate that. Mm-hmm. I also think Spike Lee's secret weapon, especially in the early years, he just had a murderous row of actors mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. could do it all. This is true. This Murder. is true. You know, Ozzy Davis, Danny Aiello, Ruby D, Giancarlo Esposito. Bill Nunn, yeah. John Turturro. Mm. Uh, you know, we were talking about Roger Gouverneur Smith. Like, just actor after actor after actor. And, and it really is a testament to the writing. But, but, you know, quite honestly, I think it's a testament to the caliber of actor yeah. who is able to deliver these lines in a believable, natural way so that that, you know, as you said, we, we talk about a lot of times Spike Lee's dialogue doesn't sound like something an actual person would say. Yeah. But these actors are so good at their craft that it comes off as natural. And mm. and you just follow the careers 
of, of you know, obviously Ozzy Davis and Danny Aiello and Ricky D were already well established. But you think about the fact that you have a film with Giancarlo Esposito, uh-huh. with John Turturro, you know, in the same film. And, and you look at how their careers have developed over the past two decades, and and you see how, uh, uh, again, I, I think one of the things that that Spike Lee should get, or Spike Lee's team, rather, you know, you think about uh, how much Robbie Reed is involved early on, mm-hmm. is just the casting. Yeah. You know, just that level of casting. You're absolutely right. I forgot. I, I don't know why that didn't cross my mind. But, yeah, this is perfectly casted. And, and you got people like Giancarlo Carlo Esposito, who I think at that time was still, you know, on the come up. And a lot of people didn't realize what he was bringing to the table. But when you look back just over the the short span between School Days, uh, Do the Right Thing and uh, Mo' Better Blues, that this, this guy's playing these, you know, he's a Spike Lee player, for lack of a better term yeah, at this yeah. point. And, he's, yeah. and oh, what he yeah. gives to each of those roles. And however large or small the role is, what he gives to each of those roles, you you're always buy, you always buy it mm-hmm. without yep, a yep, doubt. Yep, he he is those characters. Yeah, for real. Yep. yeah, he, he's the real deal. And I, I can't, and I'd be remiss to not mention uh, Gu- Gus Fring. I mean, yeah, Gus. He was he was so good. <laughs> yes, <laughs> right. He's, exactly. Like just his just his growth, man. Dude is dude is a bad boy. Yeah. And then what else was he in that was real good? Fresh. Did you see, he was oh. was it fresh? He was in. Was he in fresh? Yeah, I think he yeah. was in fresh. Yeah. He was in fresh. Oh yeah, and he oh, was yeah. real good. He was man, dude is a bad boy. Yeah, yeah, he's one of the best. Him and Bill, the late great uh, Bill Nunn, um, who also was a, a Spike yeah. Lee player, mm-hmm. for lack of a better mm-hmm. term, yeah, uh, at that right. time. Um, and I, and it says a lot too because I'm one of the things I always say about Spike Lee is that Spike Lee's to me at least, even back then Spike Lee's biggest drawback was that he would act in his movies mm-hmm. but he but this works yeah, right. it, it does because yeah. he he doesn't take over like he doesn't have to let like, you know hey this is my movie he's cool being in the background because I mean even though it's centered around Mookie there's so many other characters that have their moment that come to the forefront yeah. it never feels like exactly. I don't feel like you can say he's the main character yeah he doesn't have to carry nah, it. he, he does you know it's, it's I mean it's just a perfect how he kind of wove himself into it. It was, but he did start the ride. Yeah, it's a yeah. true ensemble. Mm. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah, he did start the ride. He? he walked off, yeah. went to the trash can, <laughs> said, emptied hey. it out, picked it up, walked back over, and threw it through the window. Party started. Okay, yeah. so let's say he started. Let's all right. After let's, he said, let's, "Hey, let's take a detour right quick because I want to. I, I need to mention something here about that that whole scene. That thing was awesome. <laughs> that." Trash can was one of the most lightweight. Look at trash can. He was just walking. <laughs> and then it broke that window. I'm like, what was that window <laughs> made of? It's like this is partially Sal's fault for having such a cheap window. <laughs> right, right. Oh, this so it's such a flammable store. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, literally, we talking it on store. fire. It's like, what kind of pizza parlor right. has turpentine soaked rags in the back of it? <laughs> Right. Oh, I feel like the sprinkler system should have been better. Oh, Something. 
But yeah, that is always that's the only thing. That is the only time I'm not able to suspend yeah. my disbelief in that entire movie is when <laughs> he throws that trash can, that lightweight trash and it, can. And it didn't even go through it. <laughs> yeah. It's like somebody needs a they need they need better trash cans and better, better windows, windows in that neighborhood. Yeah. And sprinklers. Well, to be to be fair, I wouldn't be surprised if like on some fifty fiftieth uh criterion collection of um, do the right thing that you find out that there are edited scenes oh yeah where Spike Spike Lee himself kept going to pick up the trash can and was <laughs> unable to lift it oh, yeah. so he had to keep taking stuff out of the trash can so that he'd be able to lift it and actually throw so it was full so it to the point <laughs> So it got to the point where they basically just went and got a trash can, a trash can from Sesame Street and <laughs> put it into the sugar glass window. Sugar glass. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot about that. Spike Lee is exactly the most buff brother. He, no. He's a he's a slim dude. Yeah, yeah I never thought guy. about that. Boy, he just walked Take through. Take one. <laughs> it's too much stuff in this trash can. Yeah. Take two. Exactly. <laughs> I had to get a fish price in my first trash can. Just put just put a, <laughs> just put the tissue paper in the trash can and let them. Let him lift it. Oh, poor Spike. <laughs> poor Spike. Smiley oh, was still man. able to get his picture up in Saul's burnt. Finally had some brothers. Yeah, he Finally did. had brothers right. on the wall. He did put some Even brothers though it was burnt. <laughs> I thought that was significant. Smoke inhalation well. be down. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he probably had asthma too. Oh my goodness. With, oh, with, man. The, with the right. stutter. So this is taking this is taking a bit it's of terrible. a turn. It's taking a bit of a turn. As um, it always does. As it always does. As it always does. Um all right, so I, I kind of wanted to ask a bit about the themes. And here's what I want to do because we're, we're almost coming up on the end of the hour and we're going to be uh, taking a break here in a moment. So I'm going to ask everyone, uh, we're going to make a quick round. I want you to tell me what the theme of Do the Right Thing is in one word. I'm going to start on the other side of the glass with my producer, Zai. Uh-huh. Zai, Do the Right Thing is about... Frustration. Frustration. Not bad, Zai. Uh, Dana, who has only seen it once and she barely paid attention to <laughs> oh Right, why you keep asking me? I don't know. <laughs> My engineer Dana. Dana, do the right thing is about mm, good pizza. <laughs> good pizza. <laughs> that pizza did yeah. look good. It good. Yes. She said good pizza. Man, that's so yes. funny. <laughs> oh my god. I, I think it's about gentrification. Okay. Well, no, I think we're gonna go with good pizza for your answer, Dana. Um, because <laughs> good pizza. That's so funny. Because uh, I'm gonna go with tension. 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 Okay. All right. Uh, KB. Strange things happen when it's hot outside. That's not one word, KB. I'm gonna let you. Uh, I'm a habitual line Lynn, stepper. Yeah, that's what I'm about to say, Lynn. Uh, Vince, I just want y'all to know, my, my coach KB is a habitual line stepper. There's never. Time. That's not one word, KB. The more specific the rule I give, the more she flaunts every single word of what I just said. The thing is, they go on and on and on about how hot it is. It's gonna be a scorcher. The newspapers talk about. So it's then hot. you should have just said hot. Heat, heat go. and in words. It's okay, KB. The heat moment, the moment is past. <laughs> heat and in words. Heat and okay. in words. Uh, Vince, uh, what do you say? If you had to succinctly describe it in one word, what would you describe it? How would you describe it? Community. Mm. Ah, not Whoa. bad. See how you did that, KB. <laughs> <laughs> you follow directions. Yeah, uh, Lynn. What about you? Colors. Hmm. Colors. 
Colors. Colors. Colors. Colors. Colors. Colors. Right. I had to. <laughs> I couldn't resist. Stop. Yeah, it is. It is. All right. Well, that that's um. I, okay, I guess it's still me, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I forgot about that. Um, America. Mm. Mm. America. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. America. If you really think about it, that movie is super American. Yes. Yeah, it is. It's like it, it, again, it absolutely is. Yeah, because Sal is American. Like him and his yeah. sons are really American. Like no matter what you think about him as a person, it's like no, it's mm-hmm. that's white folks for you. Yeah. <laughs> but all right, well, before I go into any white folks rants, what yeah, we're gonna do? Save it for the next hour. Let's save it for the we next hour. You, can't, you can't just front load it with your white yeah, folks no, talk. No, no, you gotta. No, no. All right, um, what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a quick break. We're gonna play some music here. This from the Do the Right Thing soundtrack, uh, Teddy Riley and Guy with My Fantasy. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more from uh, with the guys from Show Mission, and we got a lot more from you as well. So y'all stay tuned. You are listening to a pre-recorded episode of the Scenario Radio Show. Although you can't call in, we still want to hear from you. So hit up the Scenario Radio Show on Facebook and Instagram, or at Scenario Radio on Twitter. Hell of Knowledge Bank, dropping these dimes with the Scenario Radio Show. What's up, everybody? This is comedian Aki Tunde, and you're listening to the Scenario Radio Show. Hello, my name is Roslyn with Hot Air on 103.7 from 1 till 3 p.m., and that's the scenario. Hey, what's up? This is Tamia, and right now you're listening to the Scenario Radio Show. What's up, people? It's Bill McCleskey. I am the founder and CEO of My Tech Partners, and this is The Scenario. Hi, I'm Dr. Fallon Wilson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sister Wilson. And hey, that's The Scenario. Hi, guys. It's Yolanda Adams. This is The Scenario Radio Show. What's up, y'all? This is Uncle Charlie. Charlie, last name Wilson, and you listen to The Scenario Show. We love Roll Call, y'all. Boogie Down Productions, Rob Bates, Dana Dane, Molly Marl, Olatunji, Chuck D, Ray Charles, EPMD, EU, Alberta Hunter, Run DMC, Stetsasonic, Sugar Bear, John Coltrane, Big Daddy Kane, Salt and Pepper, Luther Vandros, McCoy Tyner, Biz Marquis, New Edition, Otis Redding, Anita Baker, Thelonious Monk, Marcus Miller, Branford Marcellus, James Brown, Wayne Shorter, Tracy Chapman, Miles Davis, Force MDs, Oliver Nelson, Fred Wesley, Maceo, Janet Jackson, Louis Armstrong, Duke Ellington, Jimmy Jam, Terry Lewis, George Clinton, Count Basie, M. Toomey, Stevie Wonder, Bobby McFerrin, Dexter Gordon, Sam Cooke, Parliament Funkadelic, Al Jarreau, Teddy Pendergrass, Joe Williams, Wynton Marsalis, Phyllis Hyman, Sade, Sarah Vaughn, Roland Kirk, Keith Sweat, Cool Modi, Prince, Ella Fitzgerald, Diana Reeves, Aretha Franklin, Bob Marley, Betsy Smith, Whitney Houston, Dion Warwick, Steel Pulse, Little Richard, Mahalia Jackson, Jackie Wilson, Cannonball and Nat Adderley, Quincy Jones, Marvin Gaye, Charles Mingus, and Mary Lou Williams. We want to thank you all for making our lives just a little brighter here on We Love Radio. Yo. 
right, you're still tuned in to the Scenario Radio Show, and we're in part two of the special celebrating the 30th anniversary of Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing. While talking to fans about the film, one of the things that came up was how relevant it was in America's current climate. This led me to ask if people thought the explosive themes of the movie would carry over for another 30 years, or would it seem dated and out of touch by then? You might be surprised by the responses, but then again, maybe not. Do I think those ideas will still be as controversial or have um, as much, uh, what do you say, sting or be as resonant yet 30 years from now? I do. And I think they were, what, gentrifying the neighborhood? I think we're still dealing with a lot of the things that are going on and that, that was going on back then. We're still dealing with it now. I do believe uh, uh, that that movie uh, is relevant now, even uh, more so maybe uh, than it was back in, back then. I think it's become uh, somewhat full circle. Yes, but if we as a black culture don't change and make a step to change what has been going on, like going to a, a hair store that's owned from by a Chinese man versus going to a hair salon, a hair store that's owned by a black person. Because as long as we keep buying from others and not buying from our from our own people, we'll never be able to change it. And I think as long as racism is taught and white supremacy is in place and that there are systems in place to um, discriminate blatantly against black people, that there will always be those race issues, unfortunately. I would like to say that no, it won't. But I'm not holding my breath on that. You know, it was just like 50 years ago we were getting shot with wild hoses and dogs sick on us or whatever. So we're literally only 50 years past that. We've been still dealing with some of those issues from six, since 1619. And it, here it is, 2019, 400 years later, and we're still dealing with those same issues. But I don't think 30 years will make a difference at all. And it's funny to be like a piece of art. It's, it's already finite. Like, he's already created, it's already done. And to still see that piece of done material still change in you because things are changing around you, but yet not changing for the better. That's the crazy thing. Alright, welcome back to the second hour of the Scenario Radio Show. We are doing the 30th anniversary of Do the Right Thing with our Upon Further Review. Um, if you've missed any of our Upon Further Review stuff, make sure to go to our archives because we got a lot of uh, really good stuff there. You can uh, catch Aquimini. We did that album. We did Ready to Die. We've also done College Dropout. And of course, we got this one. Uh, and first t- movie, the first yeah, movie. our first movie. And today, uh, because we're doing movies, we got uh, two men from my one of my favorite podcasts, the Michelle Mission. Uh, Lynn Webb, Vince Williams in the building with us. How y'all brothers doing? Well, great, great, great. Having a great time. All right. We're glad you are. Um, and, and we've been talking. If you missed the first hour, make sure to go to our archives. It'll be up um, sometime this week, depending on when you listen to it. If you're listening to this a year from now, it's already up. What are you waiting on? Uh, <laughs> 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 but my point is that we will have the first hour up if you missed the first hour. Uh, really good discussion. We've been talking about what is a great film that's so chock, full of story, full of mm-hmm. characters, full of great actors, full of great 
film work that it, it, you can talk about it for two hours. It's got a lot of culture. It's got a lot of the culture in it, too. Yeah, yeah, a lot of the culture. So one of the things, I, I mentioned this earlier in the first hour, um, that happened when I went out and started doing Man on the Street stuff for this and talking to people about the film. They they would talk about the film for maybe a sentence or two, and they would immediately start going into some of the themes as they apply to right now. And the thing I realized is that mm, the, film, right. the film ages really well, yeah. unfortunately, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Yes, that, it does. Yeah, that the things that are going on in this film are very relevant for us right now. So it brought me to a point that I started asking people, okay, this film is 30 years old and it's still relevant. Do you think that 30 years from right now, people will watch this film and it'll still be relevant for the same reasons? Yes. Why? I don't think race relations are going to change. I think there's still going to be cops that are going to be killing black men. I still think that the, the riots are going to be a, a response to um, helplessness. I'm going to uh, enrage. I still feel like that 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 white people are going to have their secret conversations about not wanting to serve black people but having to I think I just think it's relevant hmm. it's going to stay relevant and unless the tides change Unless the tides change, which I don't see them changing, I think the movie is going to stay relevant. I think the only way it's not going to be relevant if it is if by then all the white people have already gotten us all out of the places <laughs> they want. You know what I'm saying? Like if, mission, yeah, if it's like the mission accomplished, like all once right. they send out the, the bat signal, like okay, we did it. Like now, walls up. Yeah, <laughs> now what's the what's the next thing to take on? Like what's what's next? Uh, so that's the only way right. I feel like it won't be relevant is if they win by then. <sighs> Boy, that's a, that's pretty pessimistic. What about what about you guys, uh, Lynn, Vince? What about you? I'm 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 right with you. You know, talking about it being relevant, and as this this is a movie in a lot of ways about who controls a community hmm. and what does it mean to say, like, what does it mean to say that this space belongs to me? Hmm. And one prism that you really look through this film through that is amazingly relevant in 2019 is property ownership. Yeah. And, you know, at, at the center of this debate, Sal is saying, this is my place. So I make the rules for my place. And Bugging Out is saying, well, but we are your customers. Therefore, we should have some say. But by the end of the movie, whether you're talking about Sal, whether you're talking about the unnamed white man who bought the brownstone, mm-hmm. whether you're talking about mother, you know, you're talking about mother's sister, you're, you're talking about um, Mookie's, Mookie's sister, who I forget Jwali's character's name, but these are people who own property. Yeah. And they are in conflict with the, and I don't think it's a coincidence, all of the black men in this film, none of them own any of this property. They're wow. sitting on the corners. They're running through the streets. They're, you know, bugging out. Um, um, radio Raheem is trying to control his space through his radio. But none of them own anything. And and when we right. talk about regentrification and we talk about changing communities, certainly here in Philadelphia, we talk about this every day. It's really about these communities coming to terms with who has say in this space, regardless of how long you've been there. So I, I think it's it's I think it's going to be 
more and more relevant until, you know, as you just said, until like just all the black people and all the poor people are pushed out mm-hmm. somewhere else until people decide to go and buy that stuff up too. Oh boy, um, Zai, we, I see you have some thoughts. I yeah. saw you waving your hand. Wait, what's so up? I'm a huge uh, <laughs> advocate of the buy back the block movement. So I'm gonna I'm gonna be an optimist on this and say it will not always be relevant because we are buying back our our neighborhoods and we are um, becoming more and more people are becoming entrepreneurs and we're owning more businesses. So I'm just I'm gonna be an optimist on this and say it won't always be relevant. Okay, um, I think well, I, I, I get you. I think that's a good outlook. There's a lot. There is a lot that's weighing against it, uh, unfortunately. True. When, when you look at that, because some of those, yeah, some of those same people are still on the block, and they, and unfortunately, things like he said, they don't own. You know, not owning anything is the quickest way to not own something. Mm-hmm. Like po- poverty, poverty will tax you harder than anything else would. It will if you do not have something, it is a snowball effect in the way in the way that it kind of keeps piling on you and, and keeps you from actually acquiring a lot of times. So getting around that, yeah, that's a tough one. I don't think I don't think uh, it, you know who easy. else. You know what else kind of tripped yeah, me out? But- in, my bad. And Robin Robin Harris. Um, the 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 cat when all three of them were sitting out there, Sweet Willie, yeah, Sweet Willie, <laughs> Sweet Willie just yeah, accepted. Willie. You know when he had the one homeboy who was saying, you know, we need to have this, and mm-hmm. they've been over here for just so long, and then you have that one guy who everybody knows, everybody, mm-hmm. it's that guy who just, well, you know what, this just is what it is. Uh huh. Like it's just that complacency, and just he's mm-hmm. just accepting it, and yeah. even though he was he was subscribing to it, he's still gonna go spend his money. Mm-hmm. The little store owner was still mean to him, was still like talking crazy to him, mm-hmm. but he still accepts it like it just is what it is like yeah. i thought that was a, a a crazy spot to come to because yeah. i mean we know it it's the truth yeah i do think though that just a, a, again another bit of optimism um is that more and more at least at least in, in my uh experience because my daughter is 26 years old mm-hmm. um and she's in, she's in the Air Force, and it was really important for her to um, use the opportunity that she went to the Air Force for and be able to come out on the other side with something significant. So since she's been in the Air Force, she bought a house, right? She owns it. That's her house. And it was the first house in her development. She lives out in, um, in New Mexico. Okay. So it was her first house in her, her development. That was very important for her. It was very important for her that while she's going, she's in the Air Force to go to school so she can get her business management degree to start the business that she wants to start on the other side. And more and more, as I am a woman, I'm fortunate enough to be around her and her friends or um, just people in in my space because that are in their mid-20s to early 30s. I find that that is more and more their mindset, yeah. trying to take over some, some piece of ownership. A lot of them seem to be wanting to get into that real estate space about, you know, because they know it's about owning property, owning, like you say, and buying back your block, uh-huh. buying back these spaces. And uh, I think that that is a positive sign of the come people's mindset. I also think that as 
relevant as this movie will still be 20 years down the line it will because to everyone's point these conversations will still be had mm-hmm. you know you will still have these you know white people going off and, and whispering and stuff like that and you will still have black people more and more of them that are very complacent about what's going on mm-hmm. um but I think that, and maybe I'm optimistically naive, I think the power of the so, of social media has been that your complacency will only spread but so far because there are people that are feeling positive and feeling progressive and they can find you know places and people to put more wind underneath their sails so if i'm living on a block where everybody is like yeah well whatever we can't do nothing we can't do nothing about it i can go someplace where they can be like nah man you can still be the engine of your own change and you can uh-huh. go out there and change and, and, and do that so i think that that's what I see being galvanized more and more in uh, within the culture, and I just want to think positively about that as opposed to, you know, focusing on anything like negative. Yeah, I agree with you uh, because I think that we're in the midst of narrative change right now. I think sometimes we don't realize mm-hmm. it, but the, one of the one of the benefits of social media is this idea that. The property owner ownership is, is a part of a conversation that it really wasn't before. Mm-hmm. Like there, I mean, it's one right. thing. Mm-hmm. It's one thing that when you live, when you grew up in an era that I grew up in, and if you were around poverty, that anything outside of that was so nebulous that you you couldn't even consider how yeah, to get could, beyond yeah. poverty. So it's like, right. ne- whereas right. now you can at the very least see someone else mm-hmm. coming from that situation, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, mm-hmm. so that's how they did that. And you see more and more people talking about how they're doing that. It just sounds like it, the information. I mean, yeah. it's the fact of being able to get that info. Exactly. The information there. Now, I, I assume, I, you know, obviously it's going to be a clumsy thing. You've got, you know, there are people there'll be mistakes made, but the fact that the narrative in and of itself is changing, that if you just, you will have to be willfully complacent. Now, don't get me wrong. There are, you know, situations that you can be in that you just still can't see it. Because again, poverty can be crushing when when you're depth, yeah. in the depths of it. But um, I think it makes a difference that, we, that we're having these conversations more often and across all types of different lines among black people. So I think that's uh, it's going to be a long road. Maybe not maybe not 30 years, but maybe 50 years we'll we'll see this film right. be a little less relevant. Of course by then a lot of the clothes will have come back in style for at least the <laughs> a third time. A lot of them are back now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the third time. Yeah, yeah. Alright, so I want to uh, before we get ready to let you guys go, want to ask you about the Michelle mission. You guys are on the road to uh, 200 on your weekly podcast so uh 200 already i know yeah i know it's insane so um i guess you i guess there's no chance of you telling us what the 200th (laughs) film (laughs) that you're gonna be uh rating is right no i'll tell you this it's gonna be a black film Surprise! I would like to nominate Low Down Dirty Shame as one. If you have not wow. done it already, a great piece of black cinema or blenema, as I like to call it. Right. 
Not enough conversation of Jada Pinkett's body of work. Man, right. Man, Peaches is such a layered. She had a run for a minute where she was in acting in everything. everything. She sure was. In everything. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so, so you got it. <laughs> yeah, she was. So, okay, so you, you've gotten to 200. And, and as you know, doing this type of stuff can be hard when you're doing it, you know, doing it every week. And it's of your own power for the most part. Um yeah. What, what has been? What have you done systemically or otherwise to make it possible that you say, okay, we we can get this done, we can get to this point? You, you want to go first one? Um, no, because I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, to me, I mean, this probably has a more erudite uh, answer. Uh-huh. To me, this comes over and we turn on the mics and we be like, well, we got to do something. Because <laughs> <laughs> you guys, unlike a lot of shows that you hear, a lot of podcasts, because people get on podcasts and on radio shows or whatever, and they kind of just ramble a lot. And it's like mm-hmm. you have to have watched the movie. You have to have some thoughts to share. You, yeah. You've got to populate this with something. And you and you not only just do that, because I have had the opportunity to listen to other movie-related shows, and it's like, <laughs> you're like, they really just, all they did was talk about what happened scene for scene. Mm-hmm. It's like, I didn't really need to hear this. Mm-hmm. So you guys talk about it, right. you know, in, in a way that's that's interesting. So I, I'm, just, I'm just, I'm curious, how do you figure out how to keep doing that when I know sometimes you got to be like, uh I don't know about this week. I'm a little burnt out. <laughs> I mean, I, I, quite honestly, I think it actually gets easier the further along we go. I, I think, first of all, I think it helps that 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 Lynn is is amazingly thoughtful about this material and, and you know I like to think that that I'm thoughtful as well so so you have two people who who take it seriously yeah and and I think what what I have enjoyed as time goes on is that because we now have this shared body of work that we've watched uh-huh that informs our conversation right so that right. as as the episodes go on what you, what I really start to see is that it's it's really the same conversation. Uh huh. We're just bringing in something new this week, and and I think that's 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 the secret. Like I think the secret is is that we, you know we both take it seriously, we both enjoy it, and and. Just logistically, like like I, I've, I've always said this, I think Lynn is is the master of of keeping the trains running and 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 keeping the polish on it and hmm. and everything. So so I, I I think that's just it. Just kind of hard work. We love what we do, and Lynn keeps me straight. Right. <laughs> trust me, trust me. That's because I've I've got, uh, I've got a very healthy overworked bleep button. But um, <laughs> I, I also think speaking to that conversation, what also keeps us going is that the conversation that me and Vince have and share with one another has been extended to our um, 
to our audience and by setting up a Facebook group where our fans or our missionaries as we like to call them mm-hmm. can um, chime in not only with their responses you know and comments and feedback about the show but also just share their thoughts on things that are happening in black movie culture or the culture in general we therefore develop a dialogue and a conversation with them um, which makes it really rewarding because we're getting together to review a film first but then secondly we're also getting uh, uh, together to talk to our friends to talk to Christopher Goodnight to talk to Sabria Hafiz to talk to all these people who chime in on our Facebook group and via email to us and just have a conversation with them and watching through the Facebook group how they start talking to one another and they and they start vibing and it that community is what really keeps you going because they're along with the ride and you therefore don't want to let them down but you're also having a good time because they're providing you they're providing you entertainment at the same time you're providing it for them so that you know that synergy is what keeps the trains moving more than anything else Okay, so you guys have watched a lot of movies um, over this, over this span, and I would assume even beforehand, since you're, you're obviously a movie buff to some degree. Um, since right, you, yeah. since you've been watching this, because you guys you do everything. I mean, like it, it's not just like I, it's not just what I guess what some people call high art or whatnot. You, like you did <laughs> rapping, you, you, you guys no. covered rapping, yeah, we did rapping with Mario Van Peebles. What I don't know if y'all familiar with no. rapping, but no. It, you got it. I'm not going to tell you you have to see it, but I am going to say you have to see it to believe it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, uh, Very true. But has there been has there been a film that since you've been doing this that you saw that your appreciation for it either you gained more appreciation for it or lost more appreciation for it watching it in preparation for a show that beforehand you already had your preconceived idea because you had maybe saw it before or whatever but once you saw it you're like oh this is a lot better than i remember or a lot worse is there any uh, particular movies that fit that fit that bill i will say that the um the one the, the one good thing to come from watching Mary Vote Van Peoples in rapping because it's a horrible movie. It is. <laughs> but the one good thing to come out of that is that I no longer uh, am the butt of jokes on our show because I now appreciate The Last Dragon. <laughs> <laughs> I thought The Last Dragon was just I did not understand why everybody was so amped up on this movie and I still don't (laughs) but once you see rapping The Last Dragon becomes Enter the Dragon (laughs) 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 
Oh man. I um John Singleton has a movie called Higher Learning mm, that uh-huh. I remember when it was out, I was a little underwhelmed by it. But when we watched it last mm-hmm. year, I was pleasantly surprised by how well it ages. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So I always like I'm always happy that I watched Higher Learning again. Mm. Okay. That, that's that, a good one. Yeah, that's, that's a, a really good one. Good. I'm going to have to go back and watch that. I haven't yeah. seen that movie in quite a while. All right. Uh, before we give it a wrap yeah. things up with you guys, I want to make sure that everybody knows how they can find you uh, also on social media and how they can find the show in all your formats. Uh, the best way to find us on social media or any place you're looking for podcasts is just type in We Show Mission. And We Show, named after the, the great Oscar Michaud, um, the godfather of black cinema, um, is spelled M-I-C-H-E-A-U-X. Type in We Show Mission and we'll come up on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, any place and every place that podcast be. Join the Facebook group, Me Show Mission, Instagram, Twitter, Me Show Mission. Holler at us. All right, that sounds good. Uh, all right, well, once again, uh, Lynn Webb, Vince Wilson, we, Will, Williams. I'm sorry, we really appreciate you guys taking the time to you know talk and chop it up with us a bit about do the right thing. Well, thanks for having. Thank you for having us, and we, I promise that we will return the favor to you, man, um, and invite you somewhere along this road to to 200 to sit in with us and review a black film of your choice. All right. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Well. All right. Excellent. Again, thanks. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it, y'all. All right, y'all. Um, we're going to come back and we're going to talk a bit more about Do the Right Thing. When we come back, we're going to answer the question, what was the blackest moment in Do the Right Thing to you? So we'll be doing that and a lot more as we continue this discussion on the Spike Lee Classic, Do the Right Thing. Y'all stay with us. scenario radio show 30th anniversary of do the right thing edition uh that we just had on um len webb vince williams from the Show mission uh great radio show slash podcast uh, that covers every black film ever made if you That's a great uh, idea yeah yeah if you haven't if you haven't listened to it, if you like you know enjoy podcasts and stuff 
I, I, I encourage you to, you know, listen to it. It's a lot of a lot of good stuff, as you can imagine. They gave me an appreciation for Boomerang, because mm. which is a movie I always liked. It's a great, yeah, but a good movie. yeah, but they gave me an appreciation for that movie that I did not have um, beforehand. Like I didn't, it didn't occur to me you looking at this black firm, firm. And black all these yeah. black yeah. people, and yeah, yeah it's like black oh, professional, yeah, yeah, and it's just yeah, it just you got to get listen to it. It's, it's good stuff. So yeah, you got to check that. And they also uh, they also are friends with uh, our favorite music snob Toya Haynes. Oh. She's oh, actually been on okay. the show a time or two. Uh, I think they review House Party with Toya. Mm. So yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, but anyway, all right, we're gonna we're gonna keep things moving along as we get back into our discussion about do the right thing. And as we were saying before, we want to find out about from you all the blackest moments in the movie. <laughs> so it's a movie full of black people. And, you know, <laughs> you get enough of us in a room, something black is bound to happen. <laughs> <Definitely>. <laughs> So what I want to find out, uh, I want to find out from all of you who watched the movie and Dana, uh, <laughs> is what uh, to you was the blackest moment in the movie? I'm going to start with, as we always do, with our producer on the other side of the glass, Zai. Giving you first shot, kid. Shaking my head. Um, so the blackest scene in the movie to me was, um, I think it's Rosie Perez's name, Tina. Tina, mm-hmm. yeah. When she's handing Hector off to her mom. <laughs> And the mom's like, I'm not watching your kid anymore. I told you. And she's like, I always do stuff for you and you can't watch him. And that was like so black to me. It's <laughs> like, you you know, we get older and we complain about the stuff we do for our parents. Like they didn't raise us. Yeah. And we mad because they won't watch our kids. And like, she was living in her house. Yeah, yeah. right. Her house slammed with door. a man in the room with the door closed. With the door closed. Okay, I won't go into that. But that was real black. Yeah, yeah it was. It was. <laughs> Um, Dana, <laughs> our engineer, you had any thoughts? Delicious yeah. pizza, uh, right? The, the, the blackest part w- w- uh, <laughs> was when the man had said what he had said, <laughs> and the lady was looking at him, and then the white people was mad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so done with her. <laughs> and that's the scenario. Hilarious. <laughs> You're fired. <laughs> You're fired. Oh, so funny. Somehow that answer is absolutely incorrect, yet 100% correct. Because that, that sums up all the black things. Yeah. Two black people saying stuff, two white people who were mad. How black can it get? I'm so done. Oh. All right, all right, Dana. You, you skated by. Yeah. You got to see. You got to see my. Yeah. Please get degrees. Terrible. Because, what about you, man? Blackest moment in doing the right thing. My blackest moment is when uh, Mookie's sister was, they were sitting out on the step and oh, she was yeah. doing Mother Sister's hair. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? That's some black stuff right there. Just sitting there in the middle, just, just sitting there doing hair outside. Just, just greasing that old scalp up. Just greasing the scalp mm-hmm. on the steps. Like, it's, yeah, that's that's black. Yeah, when Mother Sister turned around and, hey! hey. <laughs> I'm tenderheaded. I'm yep. tenderheaded. Yeah, you ain't, li- you ain't lying. That was mighty black. That was very black. <laughs> All right, KB, what about you? Yeah, Dana alluded to it earlier. Earlier, but getting your shoes stepped on by the yes. white man. Uh, right. I'm sorry, that's the N-word moment. That that what was brought up mm. on Boondocks. Yeah. Even now, currently, <laughs> you cannot step on a brother's shoes oh, without it being an issue. Yeah. It is an issue. And he stopped, thought about it, let it register, and walked almost half a block to him to say, you know you stepped on my yep. shoe? <laughs> yeah. So I think that's a huge black moment and yeah. something that's relevant. 
It is that that is a super that is a super black moment. Uh, unfortunately, sometimes it, it doesn't go well. No, but fortunately that time it didn't it didn't go completely off the rails. Um, I, I was thinking about it and. I really was battling between a couple of different moments. Oh yeah, I'm thinking for me the blackest moment, and this may be because of where I grew up, and I uh, was Sweet Willie. Yeah. We keep calling him Sweet Willie. Yeah. If you we ever, know his name. Yeah, if you if you ever his name. if y'all have ever <laughs> remember that part, Sweet Willie. If you've ever watched um, a broadcast television version of Do the Right Thing. Mm. They refer to him as Sweet Sweet Willie. Sweet Sweet Willie. <laughs> sweet Sweet Willie. <laughs> I love. That's the same Mickey Ficky. So Mickey Ficky. Exactly. There's a lot of Mickey Ficky going. It's, it's <laughs> Sweet Sweet Willie. Like D Mickey Ficky. D. Yeah. All of that's going on in the broadcast version. Then a mug. Yeah, but it's Sweet <laughs> Sweet Sweet My Willie. Brother? So so what happens is the the brother with the accent whose name oh, I can't funny. remember. He's like, you know, Sweet Sweet Willie. <laughs> 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 that was a good intro. And you know how it'd that be a perfect. different voice actor? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was it still the same one? <laughs> you know what? That one's pretty close because he sound like it was just, he, that sweet, his second sweet didn't sound different than the other sweet. It was an old so, voiceover yeah. from Sidney Poitier. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's who that sounded like. Yeah. Sidney Poitier actually did all of the voiceovers for all the characters, including uh, Rosie Perez's character. <laughs> <laughs> He's a genius. Awesome. Mookie, why don't you take care of your Mickey hey, Ficky. <laughs> Mickey Ficky. Okay. Wow. All right. This is getting off the rest. Okay. What, what I was going to say was was those brothers sitting over there on the corner, the old school cats mm-hmm. sitting out there, and there's always that one dude who's who's a master at talking stuff. Yeah. About yeah. people. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that was sweet, yeah. Sweet I Willie. remember that guy. I remember that guy, and that's who Sweet Sweet Willie was, and that was the blackest thing in that movie. That man told that man, "You 35 cents away from having a quarter." <laughs> Mike Tyson, think about hitting me. You better wake up, wake up, up and apologize. Wake up and apologize. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've known that guy, man. So yeah. that that it really took me to a place. It's like, yeah, that's the that's like the blackest moment. I think the yeah. the the blackest moment aside from that that is kind of I guess gets its own. Oh, so you got two? No, I don't. I'm just carrying the conversation. Visual <laughs> line step. I thought it was just Can't one. Move. It ain't just me. Oh, you It's your show though. <laughs> you're nitpicky. <laughs> I tell you what, I ain't gonna be too many more Mickey Ficky. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> th- the other blackest moment is the roll call. Yeah, to me, like, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, just oh, as yeah. far as yeah. it was, it wasn't like, uh, yeah, it wasn't black in a derogatory tone. Like, oh Lord, they over there acting black. It's mm-hmm. uh that's ours. Like yeah. that was our thing. Yes. Like our culture, we own this. This is yeah, yeah. It was because an empowering black moment. No matter what Spike Lee does, he knows how to capture our beauty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does every time. Yeah, uh, we're through the lens, yeah. through words. Words. He, yeah. he takes time. You know, no matter what's happening and going on in the movie, to capture. Our our beauty to, cool. to show what it is that makes us beautiful mm-hmm. and valuable and special and magical and, and I have a real appreciation for that the older I get yeah. when I realize what yeah. he was doing especially when he was doing it this is 1989 mm-hmm. there is no John Singleton there nope. is no you know uh, Tyler Perry there, none of these people mm-hmm. are there it's him 
it's no, only sure. him and he's already he you know he's not getting a budget as it is mm-hmm. and he's taking what resources Risk. he has and he's Building. and he's making a love letter to us in all these different mm-hmm. types of ways and still telling these these powerful stories so yeah it makes me appreciate it a lot more the older I get I think I got a bonus black moment okay when all of them came to the uh, to sales after they closed demanding and they let them in and so Sal went out of his way and said you know right? what let them on in, in. and slice. your boy walked in and knocked something off the table like on purpose I'm like that was Sal, so rude Sal didn't have to let y'all black A's in like what do you <laughs> That was rude. That was terrible. It really made me mad. It I'm did. Like, really? I was like, you should let them in words uh, sit out there. Sal. I, I'm with you, Sal. <laughs> oh man, yeah, things did get a little, little bad there. Okay, Zai was talking when we were off air about, uh, I guess, a moment that was the worst moment for you in the film. I got two. Okay. <laughs> See, she's already waiting. I, got two. I haven't even said anything. She's already waiting to break the rule. I got two. <laughs> okay. Uh, so let's 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 kind of make the rounds on that. Zai, you you were you the one that kind of brought that idea. Yeah, up. Well, aside what do you think? from the scene that B Cuff mentioned that really did make me mad. Uh, it was the part where the Koreans, like we haven't really yes. talked about this. Yeah. Yes, about that the, was it. You know, before they're you know they they disrespecting everybody, but then when it comes time to start rioting, we're mm-hmm. one of you. Mm-hmm. Um, that since is one when, of my parts. Yep. Since yeah. when are we the same? Like that really made me mad. I'm like, okay, no, they should have still hit that store up too. Mm-hmm. Oh, so you just wanted them to burn the block down. They should have. I mean, hey, they don't own it. They. Burn it down. Okay, that was my part too, Zai. So now I only have one. <laughs> oh, I'm glad. I'm glad the two of you can bond together in violence. Yes. <laughs> uh, <I'm, laughs> what about you, KB? What, what's your other? Uh, Y'all remember the part when the mayor asked the little boy to go to the store and oh, get him yeah. some beer? Yeah. Uh-huh. Why would he do that to Did that the little boy? boy? That's I don't what even it was think back he... in the day. Oh, back I mean, in the day? Yeah, he said, go oh, take yeah. this right here. You go never have to buy cigarettes get him a, anybody? Get him a Miller Lite. And he was like two. He was like, okay, he wasn't two. He was 12. He was 12 or 13. Like, he couldn't even buy beer. Or could you buy oh, beer? Oh, yeah. Back then, they would let you. They would let the little, yeah, back yeah. then, they'd let, you buy, buy, let a kid buy anything. Especially if you had a note, you no, could buy all kinds of stuff. A note. Because that's what he made sure he told them. Tell them it's for your sick and your bedridden granddad. granddad. Yeah. So yeah. it's like it was a pass. Like, oh, okay, I know you're 12, but I'm sure yeah. you're getting this for you. I don't yeah, remember the kid coming back, though. I don't remember the kid coming back either. He I didn't just know come he back, did he? I thought he almost got run over by a car. He almost got hit. He did. That's right. That's why the, the mayor, mayor saved him. him. Yeah. yeah. He didn't care about saving the boy. He didn't then want he to get hit. <laughs> Watch out for my Miller Lite. Miller Highlight. You know what else That's I noticed? Moment. It had to be Miller had to give him some money high because life. every beer in there was a Miller. Hmm. They, he grabbed a Miller Lite when they didn't have, have the Miller High Life. They didn't have the High Life. He got a Miller Lite. Then the Puerto Rican cats who were sitting there and they all opened up the beers and they're drinking beer. All of those were Miller Genuine Drive. Maybe that's how Spike Lee paid Ozzy Davis and Ruby. Right, right, right. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking Miller had to give him some money. Hmm. I, that never occurred to me. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. I'll be picking up stuff like that. Huh. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> what about you as far as a, a, a part of the film that that didn't sit right for you or didn't? You know what? The, one of the opening scenes when uh, the mayor is in bed and he's sitting there talking about, it's hot. I'm like, I don't want to see Ozzy old sweaty bare chest. <laughs> I don't want to see this man and his, it just, it just looked like, like that scene just looked like it smelled like old people. I was thinking that too. I was it like, was I don't want to see him. Stinky. Yeah, he just looks, oh, yeah. 
It's that, supposed to look stinky. It's, I know, but they could show anybody. Brooklyn. I, I don't want to see him. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. Who would you rather see? Robin Harris? Ruby D? No, none of them. I mean, Rosie uh, Perez. Oh, uh, Rosie, definitely. <laughs> of course. Well, then she I had her hot scene. She yeah, yeah, yeah. She scene. had her hot scene. She did. That was cool. I would have rather, seen, I would've rather seen Ruby. <laughs> I would have rather seen Mother Sisters. She could have. I'm done. Them <laughs> that is so disrespectful. Yeah, this is going to go <laughs> left. It's going to go way left. Y'all <sighs> ask me. You shouldn't ask me. This is, this is your doing. I did ask, and this is what I get. I guess before, uh, let me just take a chance and ask, ask, nope. ask Dana. <laughs> Glutton for punishment, he is. Uh, I was going to say, because the last time I had seen the movie, I was young. Uh, and I was like, ew, Rosie Perez. She has no clothes on. I was like, oh my God. I didn't, I didn't, uh, I was a kid. So. Yeah. This is something that feels weird. It's, it's funny you mention it. This is something that feels weird to me now that I've gotten older. Because I don't know, I, and, I, and I almost, I'm, I almost don't want to mention it. We went to her kitchen in her mama's house and, and got her mama, ice yeah, tray. Yeah, yep. got her got ice, ice tray out. Yep, with your kid in the other room. Yep. That and there's something gratuitous about a lot of that yeah. whole vibe with yeah, yeah. with Rosie Perez. Yeah, yeah. This person who has never made a film before. Yep, being picked out. The club mm-hmm. to be in a movie with Spike. Like, oh yeah, yeah. This because he had already he already was catching a lot of flack during this time about his treatment of women in his films. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that is always it, it did. I didn't think much about it back then, mm-hmm. but the older I get and I think about it, and, and uh, everything may have very well been fine. And it, it just, she, she was able to turn all of that into a career. It just smells kind of me too. It just feels weird yeah. that yeah. that you you know that you're just like well this is your first film this is what we got to do what you need to do. Gotta do when yeah. I when I was telling you about those rewrites um <laughs> yeah. this is uh this one right here I just figured this goes yeah, cuz she could have played she could have played any yep. you know anyone and that, and it kind of worked anything, out and that's what and so, they had her do yeah so even in the in the midst of that they're brief it was brief, but even, but in the context of the entire film, there's Did still there's a still a yeah. lot of male gazish mm-hmm. perspective yeah. when she's in the room. Yeah, yeah. So and that yeah. and that kind of as I get older, I'm like, oh, ah, I mean, I don't know. But now that you say it, and I'm comparing that scene to the scene in uh, School Days with Gina and what's his face, Dean, John, Big Brother Almighty, Tisha Campbell, she was licking his head. She called her she, she called her Gina, Gina from Martin. Martin. Yeah, yeah, but Tisha sorry. Campbell, we know Tisha you. Campbell. Don't do her like that. I'm trying. I'm comparing both of those. They're kind of like a, a worship scene almost, uh-huh. though. like where she was licking the part on his head and, <laughs> and and then the Rosie Perez scene they're kind of the same to me I mean yeah he wasn't naked but. yeah but it's but the scenes it's not so much the scene like I, it's like I'm not saying that that movie about a hot day in Brooklyn yeah. couldn't have a sex scene mm-hmm. like that in right, it right yeah. but because it was a sex scene with a woman who had never acted before. Oh, yeah. Why is she having her, her first, first movie yeah. and her sex scene just so happens to be with the guy who created the movie who also found her mm-hmm. in, the club, in the club. And every other scene that she has has a slight male gaze yeah. aspect to it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All of that cumulatively 
feels like, a little it kind of sits weird with me yeah, yeah. that's that's kind of what i'm saying so it's 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 context is what makes it it's like uh, the scene like you it, gotta do this it's gonna put yeah, you on the map the scene in and of itself with me <laughs> yeah I wrote this, and you got to do it. With I me. thought it was awkward. Anyway, it was awkward. Yeah. It was Any weird. love scene with Spike Lee. Was Spike Lee. <laughs> so what? All the same way about. So what I'm hearing is my comment led to a deeper discussion. Mm-hmm. Your comment, uh, sort of. It was. It was a segue to one because I was going to bring this up anyway. Yeah. Well, but you know. yeah, I was. Where were you though? Know? Say you're you welcome, know? Dana. You're welcome. Man. <laughs> Dana, you're very useful in a lot of ways. I appreciate around it. here, and it just so happens you just hadn't watched the film. That's the only thing I hadn't watched it in a while. In a while, so but you, you've you've provided what has been some great commentary. Uh, I will you say know, that. I try. Yeah, you know, I do my two cents. Yeah, and I appreciate it. All right, so I want to ask one last question uh, as we prepare to wrap this thing up. Uh, we talk about this. Uh, the, the film. The film is entitled "Do the Right Thing." That in mm. itself is a very straightforward and definitive statement. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, the film itself is very vague in what would be considered the right thing. I want to ask each of you: What do you believe, from any character's perspective that you choose, doesn't matter, or just in general, is the right thing? As that film is considered, when you consider that film, what was the right thing? To me personally, I think from any, I think it's one of those things you can look when you say look at it from any character's perspective. Each character, what they thought was the right thing. Mookie thought him just making his money, getting paid, going to work. That was his right thing. And then at the mm-hmm. end, that's what he was just surviving. He was just going on. But then at the very end, when he finally broke, that was his right thing. Seeing the frustration and seeing his mm-hmm. frustration, um, um, bugging out. His right thing was fighting for this, what he thought was a big thing, uh, trying to get this boycott going. It just seems like every person's right thing, you just kind of got what they wanted. It, I kind of felt like each person, you definitively got what they wanted, what they felt, how they felt about certain things. Yeah. I think to tie into that, I think everybody's right thing was somebody else's wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Right? So. Yeah. When they rioted, that was the right thing, but it was the wrong thing for Saul. When, you know, Rosie Perez wanted Mookie to come home, that was the right thing for her. But for Mookie, he had to go to work and make his money. That was the wrong thing for him. So Hmm. everybody had a different right thing, but it ended up impacting somebody else as their wrong thing. Hmm. Ah, That's a good take. Um, uh, Zai. Yeah. Uh-huh. What, what about you? Pretty much everything was the wrong thing uh-huh. up until Mookie said, I got to go see my son. Like, that was the right thing. Yeah. Everything else could have been handled differently. Everything. <laughs> Including burning down the Korean stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you really, you really stuck on burning down this Korean store. You, they were swinging the broom. I think, you know, like animals, you know why so I think I they like stopped that. it because well, kids. What, cause would you have? You had to swing something. You don't want the people to burn your store down. I, I think the only thing that saved like the Korean that. people was the kids being out there. Because the kid was out there, and I think that's what you know. They were like, "Okay, all right, the kids out here." Yeah, you know. And it's interesting when you think about how that speaks to a frustration, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. the up to that point, if you just look at it on paper, you're like, "Why are they going over to that store? That's not where the the fight happened." Happen. But it's like because it's indicative it of something yep. much more, you know, much bigger and much more painful. You too. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, because he didn't know the conversation that the three dudes had on the street. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He didn't no. know that the one guy was tired of them coming over and all that. He didn't know that. Yeah. Nope. 
But the tension had always been there. And it was like, now they want to alleviate this once and for all. Um, I've tossed around what I thought the right thing would be for a lot of characters. And when I tried to do that, what I realized was it's really hard to have a right thing in a situation that's so wrong. Mm. So when you take Sal, you take someone like Sal, who essentially just wants to have his business that he loves to do and do it the way he loves to do it. it because racism is so ingrained into the system in and of itself, you can't be a part of that system and not enact racist policy in some kind of way. It's like I always say about the idea of uh, people say, well, this person was a good president of the United States and this person was a bad president of the United States. It's like the best president of the United States... You can't be a good president of the United States and still be a good person, essentially. Mm-hmm. You may do some good things, but as long as you are the head of a system that's mm-hmm. that racist, then you are the head of a racist system. It's just no two ways about it. Like I'm a, I like Obama, but Obama is... Uh, still he, he signed off on the murder of more children than any other Nobel Peace Prize winner. And that's what we're looking at. So even... so. It, in this system, when you have all of these people who are feeling all of this tension and they would like to do what's the right thing, mm. even when they decide that doing the right thing doesn't help and they just want to do what's best for them at that moment, they're doing it more so in response to a system that absolutely none of them have any kind of control in. Mm-hmm. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to uh, give Sal and Pino and I can't remember the youngest oh, no. brother's name a pass, but... I'm not, but at the end of the day, these were just regular working class guys who had been living with racism all their lives. It just so happens that racism works for them mm-hmm. to some degree. And if you would ask Pino, he would be like, well, it doesn't work for me because I have Pino. to work around these these yeah. black people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Pino so, Pino. but but the, but so I, I really when I got to think about it, I was like, oh, because you think about, for instance, when you think about what could have happened so that Radio Rahim would not have died. Right. And it's like the fact that him, even if you see Radio Rahim and the way he handled that as him being a jerk, only in our community can you not be a jerk because of the fact that it can lead to death. Mm-hmm. Right. Being right. a jerk is high up on the level of things that can get you killed. It doesn't deserve to get you yeah. killed. It exactly. It doesn't. It shouldn't be something that should get shouldn't you killed. Come into the equation. But, but when we're talking about it doesn't take anything, clothes, selling loose cigarettes, he died the same way Eric Garner exactly. died. So when you look at it like that, it's like how can you do right in a system that doesn't have room for right? That, that's what it, that's what kind of really sticks out to me when, when I think about that movie and, and what it does. But it is a great movie, and it, 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 it compels movie. a lot. It compels a lot out of you. What you do movies more often? This is good. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. I, I enjoyed it too. We'll have to. I don't know if we'll get around to any more. Any more this anniversaries year. coming up? For uh, movies? We don't have any more anniversaries this year. 
Has it been two years since something? I mean. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I take that back. We do have an anniversary. Next week, here on the Scenario Radio Show, we have the fourth anniversary Man, four of years the almost? Scenario oh Radio Show. Dang. That's right. You threw that right to me. I didn't four even see Four years. So we almost in kindergarten. <laughs> almost, almost in kindergarten. We're almost in, in kindergarten. pre-K. <laughs> so pre-K. Yeah, next, next week, we will have our fourth anniversary celebration. We'll be in the building uh, looking back, looking forward. We'll, we'll do some of our regular routine. We mm-hmm. will have a friend of the show, Sean Witzel, Got our to. inaugural guest. Every Can't year. have an anniversary show without Sean Witzel. And we'll have uh, Toya Haynes as well, our favorite Ooh, music yes. snob. So we'll have that and a lot more. I'll, I'll go ahead and tell you right now what our playlist is composed of. Mm. Our playlist is composed of groups with four members. Ooh. Okay. So we're using the number right. four. So that's a lot of that's a lot right. of different groups. Yeah, uh, yeah. So four it'll be tops. interesting. Yeah, four tops. Say they come. <laughs> Sorry. <guys>. Come on. <laughs> they come right up. I mean, it's right there. It's right yeah. there. It's like people should have thought of it first. We'll right? see if anybody actually picks the four tops. Right. That'll be the interesting thing if somebody actually does that. Uh, so that's what we'll be doing next week on the Scenario Radio Show. So make sure that you tune in for that. It's going to be a fun time. Celebration for all uh, ages. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know to write that. <laughs> yeah, bring your kids. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, we're getting ready to close this thing out. Let's get the scenario as we wrap things up. We're going to start on the other side of the glass with my producer, Zai. Zai, what's the scenario? Always do the right thing, and that's the scenario. All right. Um, Dana, what's the scenario? Yo, Mookie. <laughs> what? Stay black. <laughs> That's the scenario. See, I knew that one. Done. Uh, KB, what's the scenario? Don't ever let it get too hot in Brooklyn. <laughs> And that's the scenario. <laughs> All right. Because, what's the scenario? Uh, hate, KO by love. All right. That's pretty good. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. D, Mickey Ficky, D. <laughs> <laughs> sweet, sweet Willie. Sweet, sweet Willie. Oh, Lord. And that's the scenario. All right. I want to thank our special uh, guests from the Michelle Mission, Lynn Webb and Vince Williams. Uh, we really appreciate having them on. On behalf, Half of the team, our producer Zai, our engineer Dana, my co-host B Cub, and my co-hostess with the co-most is KB. I am Van Everett saying take care of one another. God willing, we will talk again soon. Peace. Like the right thing is valuing life. 2019, we're not able, able to exist in totality. That's why we have people calling the police on us, just like for existing. Because I'm asking you to see me as a person and to say and understand that I I deserve the same humanity that you're just given. The character that Spike Lee had, that's all he was trying to do was the right thing. Help his people, take care of his family, even though he's working in a job that really just wasn't for black people but you know they was in the neighborhood you know? I just watch a, watched a video today a viral video of a nail place that once again uh, mistreated black women this man showed up he walked into the salon he said listen uh, listen we're, I'm, this is the second time I've come and I've heard about you mistreating black women he said I'm a black man and I'm not going to tolerate this in my community and I'm telling you I'm going to shut it down I'm going to go surrender myself to the police it's going to be one and done. He threw bricks through the window. Everybody said, thank you, sir. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> and that was that. And I was like, well, do the right thing is <laughs> here. You know what I mean? I mean, if, if they're true to your core, regardless of, you know, um, in, my, in my core, with uh, every situation that came about that show that comes from racism, I would have fought back, right? That, that's with my core. I think it all depended on your core and your your value as a, as a black person, white person, what it may be, right? If you see somebody doing something wrong, you know it's wrong wholeheartedly, why not step up and try to change or try to change that situation for the, for the better? I think they did the right thing. I think the right thing is being outspoken, following your gut, following your intuition, doing what like not being afraid to speak your mind, not being afraid to stand alone. And you know, being that we work in a barbershop, just I feel that we are the community. So doing the right thing is just like telling a young man that, that might be down on himself, giving him some words of encouragement, letting him know that he can still make it, and giving a young black man the, the tools and the confidence to want to be an upstanding citizen, and not want to go and sell drugs and be in the streets and fight and do stuff like that and actually try to uplift someone, the next person. It's to say, do the right thing. That's what everybody was doing to them. You know what I mean? I mean, I can tell you I've been in Israel and I knew about the wars and the natural fights against the generations of Palestinian families up against the Hebrew family. Once you feel like your great-grandfather is tied to the story and you see it in front of your face and your family reminds you, there seems to be this natural uh, uh, angst that becomes about who's trying to oppose that the most, you know. When we look at society and, and rules and being civilized and all that, yeah, it's questionable behavior, but sometimes questionable behavior is the right thing to do if you feel ignored. This is Alicia. Make some trouble every now and then. That's not always the wrong thing, and that's the scenario. Hello, uh, this is James. I am a performer, and just letting you know that your only uh, limitation is your imagination, and that's the scenario. Hey guys, this is Jay Javinci down here in Nashville, Tennessee, and that's the scenario. Joel Diggs, there's a quote by Garnet Silk that says, Love and hate can never be friends. Oh no. And that's the scenario. Hey, listen up. This is Patrick James. Art is the cure. And that's the scenario. Hi, I'm Ramona, and I am a photographer. And that's the scenario. <laughs> Hi, my name is Jay Wiggs, and I'm a director and videographer. And that's the scenario. My name is Ricardo Greer, top notch barbershop, and that's the scenario.